All right, oh. sweet. Mine is recording. I'm good to go. All right. So, yeah, to start us off, I guess we're just going to talk about survival in general, all the different avenues that conversation can go down. So uh, to kick us off, what you were just about to talk about a definition that you found or the one that you like the most. So what what is what is that? Yeah, two, two of the definitions of survival that I found that were kind of an interesting perspective off of, you know, the classic surviving in the woods, surviving an apocalypse, you know, and that was more and more what I found the more research that I did was the definition of survival being the act or fact of living or continuing longer than another person or thing. So we obviously would want to continue further in a competition and the workforce, you know, any number of things, but also um, you can think of it as a competition, right? So if you're, you know, we like to put survival in a category of um, physically being here, but it's also, um, I don't want to say, I don't want to go as far as excelling because it's, it is just living and continuing, but you know, we can use the word survival in a more broad sense than I think a lot of us do. That was the first yeah, thing that kind of popped out to me. That's a really interesting framework because it is just competition. It's uh, the way that definition is laid out. And the fact that you could be minimally successful and you just have to survive longer than the other person, it's kind of like the rabbit and the hare or the tortoise and the hare in that you just have to chug along at maybe bare minimum. It's it's like um surviving longer but having a crappier life like if you're uh um imagine you don't drink or you don't smoke and your life is very boring but you survive until you're 85 years old and everyone else around you just died off at 70 because they were partying it up that's kind of what it reminds me of which is interesting it is but it's also that also i guess goes into the quality of life conversation that you know you may be surviving but is it worth surviving which yeah i have a couple points on later but the other the other um definition I found was just the continuation of life or existence, which kind of goes into uh, what we were just talking about, how it doesn't matter. It's, it has no statement to the quality, right? And the more and more that you mm. dig into survival aspects, you find that it is less and less about quality and more about the aspect of literally surviving. Uh-huh. So there's a little bit of a interesting viewpoint going into it that I didn't know about the word survival before, but also at the same time, it's kind of also what we know it to be. Yeah. It, it makes me think of how in a lot of apocalyptic movies, which we don't have to go down that rabbit hole now, but a lot of apoc- apocalyptic movies, there's this idea that the lucky ones died off already. They don't have to experience this terrible new wasteland world that exists. And it's kind of along those same lines where quality of life is not factored into survival at all all the people who survive this apocalyptic world are just barely hanging on and they, they hate it and it sucks. So but they keep going for some reason. Yeah. Which is also interesting. That's, yeah, that's like a human nature kind of a thing. I wonder how that's wrapped up all together because they still keep surviving. And obviously it's a really deep human instinct to survive. So there's some interesting things wrapped up in there. So I'm, I got a, a couple notes here. I'm kind of going to bounce around back and forth. Um, as I was looking into just the various aspects of surviving, whether it's, you know, in the woods, being lost, in, uh, you know, with the whole pandemic going on, we, I'm sure a lot of this information I was looking at was probably newer or recently mm-hmm. updated due to, you know, I'm sure, I don't have the information, but I'm sure there would be a larger amount of Google searches with surviving <laughs> and pandemics to combine in some <laughs> strange combination than yeah. in this past year than ever before. Um, so the first thing that I kind of was formulating in my head um, was you're going to be afraid, right? In sure. a survival situation, I feel like that's kind of uh, maybe some people are better at hiding it than others. But right off the bat, I feel like fear is definitely uh, an emotion that is going to be felt pretty strongly, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like in today's society, we have 
kind of made fear like not necessary, if that makes sense, that we can live lives without fear. And if we don't like a situation that creates fear, you know, I have here like, you know, a lot of safe spaces or canceling ideas that we don't like or, um, you know, we're kind of reducing fear to a point that any fear we experience is exaggerated to a maybe crippling or debilitating nature. Yeah. That are we really preparing ourselves to survive or are we trying to be comfortable? Yeah, it's not it's not taking the, the dosages that you need to inoculate yourself against whatever poison is out there. Like you're you're not building up your immune system at all. Exactly. And then when you terrifying. get you get a common cold, now yeah. <laughs> it's the end of the world. Right. So it just I don't know how what do you think your or what is your perspective on um people's ability to survive? Like right off the bat I just felt like the more and more information I looked it didn't seem like a common set of skills that a, a person would have in today's society. Yeah, I think I think that gets dissected a lot of different ways because the first thing that I think about is the Western world is not the majority of people. So there hmm. are probably vast groups that have these skills that are just using them every day that we don't come in contact with because we're just not in that population group. But things like being able to have a sense for the land at the very, very least. I'm not saying that most people are hunter gatherers, but just being outside is a pretty major component of survival. If something really bad happens and um, maybe you're exposed to the outside world a little bit more in less developed parts of the world. But I, I feel like they're the less developed parts of the world are in a better position to survive. Would you- I guess it depends on what's going to, What's, what, what the problem is, like if it's a disease spread out, groups are going to do better than really densely packed groups. But sorry, you were saying. No, I, I mean, 100%. If, you know, if it's a nuclear disaster, it really depends on where you are more than your <laughs> right. ability. You know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah. I also, am, you know, when you were just saying that, it kind of popped into my head as far as, you know, we, we have the idea of, at least I do, that when you're applying certain topics to groups of people, you apply them to groups similar to yourself. Yeah. A hundred percent. And so maybe some third world countries, let's say, would you consider those people to already be surviving? Oh yeah. That's a really interesting point that they're already getting probably maximum adversity or like close to maximum adversity. A a lot closer than we are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like if we if we as a whole species did end up going back to the hunter gatherer societies, um not saying everyone's hunter gatherer right now, but there are definitely gonna be groups that would fare better than others. <laughs> and we're probably not in the good faring group. <laughs> exactly. Not not even close. I mean <laughs> look at some some tribes in, in South America where yeah. the biggest thing they would probably notice is cell phone if if they had cell phones like i don't even know maybe there's maybe there's plenty of you know tribes and stuff that are wouldn't even notice yeah you know and, and maybe is. maybe the co- covid still hasn't affected them at all like you know we we have such a an idea in our head that everything we experience the whole world experiences yeah it is it is weird you just made me think of we came well europeans came to america and wiped out all the native americans with disease. And it's kind of interesting that disease is this weird little linchpin that if we were to bring it to maybe undeveloped parts of the world, it could wipe them out. But when it comes to every other thing that kills humans, we're not prepared for that. They have an upper hand. If you look at it in like a, a two groups kind of a scenario, which is really interesting. I wonder if it's, it, it almost feels like insurance, like having groups that are <laughs> of a different. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, having groups that are at, like a different level of sophistication or of status. Um, if something big comes along and wipes out one of those groups, the other group might be predisposed to survive, which is, uh, that's, I'd never thought about it like that, but that's insurance where my head's at. Yeah, and, and, you know, like many concerns right now with 
uh, various political things going on. The idea that you would want people on other planets. That yeah. the survival of humanity might depend on not being on Earth. Yeah. And I think on a very small scale, that's exactly what happens with you know native tribes of indigenous people. That the more spread out and the more diverse that that population is, the less likely that one thing can come through an area and kill all of humanity. Yeah. You know, you have... Did you... Go ahead. No, that's pretty much all I was going to say. Did you, when you were doing this this research, did you come across Elon Musk's point about how there should be a, a, a backup group and that's one of his reasons for making SpaceX? Even if it's less than a 1% chance of humans going extinct due to something on Earth, that it'd still be good to have a group of humans on another planet that can kind of back up the human race. Did you or did you kind of explore that area at all? I did not. Because I'd actually. love to learn more if you did. Oh. I, no, I did not. Um, th this is actually a different avenue of things. Uh, I, I have one more little thing as far as the whole, you know, fear and... I'm just going to, I want to make a note here of that to check into the Elon Musk's perspective. And um, I, I, it may not be true or not. He may just have said it after the fact to have a cool story, but you never know. Sure. <laughs> you can find some information on it though. Yeah. So the next thing I was thinking of, that kind of, it kind of jumps right onto that. I found it in a couple of uh, different uh, forums and blogs and stuff that I was reading. Um, as far as exposure to fear, right? And we might have some some underlying things going on. And I know a lot of the people that we listen to and talk about and, you know, Lex Friedman is one of my more favorite people to reference when it comes to something that, like this, that when you push yourself, the demons will come out. <laughs> yeah. And you may not know how much you have hidden until you're by yourself in the woods with nobody else around you and you yourself might be your biggest threat. Oh, what do you mean by that? That if you can't get out of your own head when things start going bad and you mm -hmm. start uh, fearing everything you've done, everything you haven't done, everything you should have done, uh, you know, I, I think that's something we like to keep on the back burner as far as uh, what we like to think about is not what we th should be thinking about. Oh yeah. To yeah. prepare yourself to be alone for weeks, months at a time. I feel like, I feel like those things wouldn't come up though. In like, I'm imagining like a plane crash scenario where, you know, you're going to be trapped for three months somewhere. <clears throat> are you, are you saying that you think you'd be worried about those kinds of things or just that they're locked away in there and they might come out at night or something? I, well, I like... I personally think the more time you spend by yourself, the more time you think about your own shortcomings as a person. Mm. And every time that you messed up or every bad thing you've done and gotten away with or... And I kind of wonder if when you're spending time by yourself, we don't really have that anymore. True. So yeah. when you are by yourself, what are you going to feel? How are you going to react to dealing with yourself and only yourself day in and day out. Man, I, I would love to see what would happen if you had to do a social media detox. On... Instantaneously. It, it would go yeah. to withdrawal. <laughs> yeah. I would love to, because you're right, it's, it's a little bit of a dopamine high for a lot of these apps people use on their phones. So I wonder what that would be like in a survival situation, which would be rough because the first couple of days and hours are, well, not probably not hours. It probably wouldn't affect you in hours, but... The first couple of days would be very vital to not make mistakes during or screw up. You know what I mean? And and I almost think the first couple of days would be manageable the, in mm -hmm. the fact of, you know, you have so many things that you should be prioritizing, which we're going to later. But uh, the idea that after a few days, now you maybe have some fire, you have some water and you're a little bit more comfortable, but you're just stuck. You don't know what to do next. You're alone. Yeah. You don't have anybody to talk to. It's just you and your thoughts. And when you and your thoughts are alone, you don't know what's going to come out. Which yeah, I go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say I have thought a lot about 
what happens after you get those first couple of things taken care of, like fire and shelter and all of that, and then you're just stuck waiting for months and months and months. Like in my brain, it's a, uh, you're trapped on an island, like castaway, and the first couple of days are really exciting. You always have something to do. You have a focus, but then after that, it's kind of vague and ambiguous. So I definitely wonder about that part. That would be really hard, challenging. Yeah, so it kind of falls into what I'm what I'm going to bring up now is um, how many how many people do you think preemptively visit a psychologist? Well, what do you so preemptive to what? What would be your preemptive to feeling that you need one? Oh, uh, I don't know. That's a good well. That's a good question because it's, I feel it's, like a lot of it's hard data. It's to probably find. less. Yeah, I would imagine it's than, a smaller number. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was an interesting perspective I read was, uh, why not preemptively visit a psychologist once a month, once a quarter to do mental checkups and preemptively prepare yourself for maybe spending a lot of time in your own head. Maybe if you have something buried down deep, you can work it out or whatever. But it was just a, a little thing that kind of popped in uh in some of the stuff I was reading and I thought that was kind of interesting because I, I never really thought about that before that. Was... No, neither have I. It's, that's a good idea because we get a checkup once a year, like a health checkup, but we don't get a mental health checkup. Yeah. And it'd be cool too, if you could inoculate yourself against a lot of these problems before they actually happen to you. Exactly. That's kind of the perspective that I had. Um, so all right, that's pretty much all I had. Oh, the only other thing here, uh, as far as fear goes, and then I'm, I'm pretty much done with that, was um, I kind of ran into a little bit of a confusion, internal confusion. Uh, the difference between fear and anxiety. Ah, cool. So um, it's still kind of uh, up in the air at this point from everything that I've, I've looked up. Everybody's still a little bit uh, back and forth as far as definitions. Mm. Um, but... In, it, this is one one definition I found from Barlow and Horwitz, 2002 and 2013. Uh, in general, fear is seen as a reaction to a specific or observable danger, while anxiety is seen as a diffuse, a kind of unfocused, objectless, future-oriented fear. Thus, fear is anxiety mm. that is attached to a specific thing or circumstance. And I kind of think that goes right back into what we were talking about. In If you get start getting anxious... If you had an underlying anxiety issue and now you're, uh, you know, trapped in the middle of nowhere and you have an unfocused, objectless, future-oriented fear towards everything, <laughs> kind of seems like a doom-impending existence. <laughs> yeah, but, it's, that's really, it's, it's like, what do you do about that? I think it goes back to maybe looking into the preemptive psychologist visits, you know, if you do have an underlying anxiety issue that you've been pushing off or, you know, figure out what, what's causing it. What, why are you feeling that way? You know, it, it just is, it's brought a lot to my own mind as far as maybe some things I've been hiding that would you be able to hide if you have been strung out low on food and water, you know, who really knows? Yeah. It's having like a nebulous, it's kind of like fear, but just, a nebulous discomfort towards the future generally is that only sounds like something you want to minimize, which is because I always thought of anxiety as just a natural part of life and it happens and it's comes and goes and it's a warning or a signal of how you really think about something or if you should be worried about something, you'll probably feel some anxiety towards it. And so I always thought of it as a useful tool or a red flag, but that's a, uh, your definition makes me feel like I just want to minimize it entirely. You know what I mean? Like it serves no purpose, no value. Yeah. And, and again, there's, there's a lot of, uh, back and forth up in the air as far as a, a stead, a steadfast definition of either one, because they're very similar. So that's mm -hmm. why, you know, it took a little bit of digging around. Uh, that was kind of the one that I liked and had a decent amount listed there so i i kind of got behind that one so interesting that's cool i like it so what do you have so i went super bare bones and just started looking up 
survival things from the point of, oh, you get trapped somewhere or you crash somewhere or you need to survive in not your normal circumstances for a long time. So I started going down the idea of, well, what do you need to have in place for surviving psychologically, making sure that you don't lose your will to survive. And then I started thinking about, well, what kind of tools, because the, the only thing you can really prepare for when something bad happens to you is what do you have with you at the time that the bad thing happens? So I was thinking a lot about what kind of gear would you want? What kind of stuff would you want with you? And, uh, I feel like it's probably a pretty common topic people think about, but I'm also thinking about what would, what would happen in the first couple hours or first couple days that you would have to be prepared for and just push through and overcome like your point about fear. My, my first thought was there's going to be a lot of shock as well. There's going to be a lot of useless emotions that you're feeling for the first couple of hours and to just recognize that and be able to push through, I think would be very valuable, but it's situational. You know, if you were in a plane crash, then you would probably feel a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear right off the bat. And it'd be good to push through that. But that was something that I was just thinking about as we were going through this exercise. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that's popped into my head. So the two other things I found while I was looking was uh, the Marine Survival Guide and the Army Survival Guide. Oh, nice. So just kind of like very point blank straightforward survival in between surviving uh you know marines were focused on survival evasion and recovery so this was a stranded in a foreign country um Mm -hmm. so i kind of jumped right into what you were just thinking or what you were just talking about as far as you know you want to push right past those emotions that you're experiencing the the inrush of um maybe not just confusion but also maybe anger maybe um, you know, you could, you'll experience a bunch of different emotions. Uh, and I think one thing that we, again, don't, don't really prioritize anymore. And we already kind of talked about this is like training, right? Yeah. Like yeah. when's the last time any, anybody went camping in the woods right? by themselves, <laughs> right? Right. In a very controlled environment with gear, maybe a vehicle, right? But just something mm-hmm. very straightforward. I mean, set your tent up, learn how to make a fire with, without matches. Like, yeah. And I feel like, I feel like even myself, I've been lacking in that. Like I can honestly tell you the last time I made fire without matches was probably 12 years ago. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm in the same boat, obviously, but it's, I feel like people don't, or a lot of people that I hang out with are not interested in the leisure of going into the woods and trying to survive or trying to start a fire without matches. That's just not a, it's not fun for a lot of people, which is kind of a bummer. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Well, even looking past fun, like, um, do some people think going to the gym is fun? Right. Not really. It's fun after the fact. Right. And I feel like this would be one of those things. Like, Mm -hmm. you go out and spend two nights, even though you, your idea of how you want to spend that two days may not be in the woods with a tent and hiking boots and a backpack walking all over the place and then sleeping in a tent and cooking your food over fire. But right. after the math, I guarantee you, you'll be like, you know what? That was a good time. <laughs> like, yeah, I think the idea that somebody doesn't want to do this is only because they, I think it's just a bad, maybe not a bad mindset, but like a, um, a conflicted mindset with how they could actually experience it. And I don't know, I'm probably wrong, but I feel like even myself, like, when's the last time I went out camping with nothing but a backpack and a tent? Well, part part of it, I think, is work. Like, it's very easy to get into the mindset. It's hard to make time for things that don't seem very valuable. Like, it's hard to make time for even the gym or getting exercise in. So maybe if you did view it like exercise, I'm in the same boat. So I'm not saying, like, you, you, you should... uh make time for it or think about making time for it. But for me, it's, I should think about it like an exercise. Like I should think about it like a, uh, a practice or a, and schedule it out. And it'd be, it'd be great to do it once a, once a quarter, when you get the full seasonal effect, when you can try it in the winter and then in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. I'm tougher a, conditions. 
I'm even Sorry. looking. No, you're good. Right now, through um, I'm, I just have the link open for the the Army Survival Guide, mm-hmm. and if you scroll through the first, I don't know, couple pages, right, and the amount of basic uh, information here, you know, fires obviously one, water's obviously one, but what about like plant identifiers? Yeah, right. Like if if you if we want to look at survival as an exercise, right? Once a week, would it hurt for any one of us to go outside and identify a new plant? Yeah. Make a note of it in a book or on your phone or something like that. Maybe the the cautions with that plant. Maybe the you know it doesn't even have to be you know spending two days outside. Maybe it's just something small that we incorporate in our daily lives. That you know maybe it's a new first aid skill. Maybe it's a uh, a tourniquet you keep in your car now instead of, you know, maybe you look at it, maybe you pull it out and make sure you know how to use it. Um, I don't know. It's just like there's 240, 233 pages here in this Army Survival Guide of small little tidbits of information. Nothing goes super in-depth, you know, mm. shelter, mm. S- uh, shelter site selection. Um mm-hmm. Different kinds of tents, different kind of fire making skills, different kind of, you know, food storage. It's, it would be like you could go outside in your backyard, you wouldn't have to go deep into the woods, and you could learn something new. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think it'd be kind of a neat thing. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'll try it for a month or try to learn a new skill a week or something like that. Yeah. That'd be, I wonder if there's a resource out there that you could line them up. It'd be a great idea if somebody did that where you had all these indirect lessons that you could go out there and do. And the first one would be like making a fire, but in making a fire, you have to make your own kindling with a hatchet and you also have to light it without matches. And maybe in just this one exercise, you could pick up like four or five different skills just in this one little thing that you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting because then you could, it could definitely be an app based thing that, yeah, you click on fire, right? Step one of making a fire would be, you know, you need an ignition source. So, or how are you going to do it? What are you? What do you have available? And yeah, because then, because then you could go through step by step, like you said. And all right, maybe axe safety is something that somebody hasn't been around before, right? So now you're looking for certain areas to chop wood on to preserve your axe. You're you're watching out for your feet, your hands, yeah. you know. That's interesting. Um, I'm I'm gonna have to look into that. See, uh, let's see. It'd be cool, and it'd also be nice. I like the idea of going out into the woods and doing it once a quarter because you get a sense for what kind of gear you're missing, which I think is really important. You know, you go online, you find a bunch of checklists, and everything seems to be pretty accurate with what you need or what you want. But then when you actually go camping, you realize, oh shoot, I really should have brought this thing that I don't have. And you just keep a note of that. And then if you do this every quarter, you'll slowly build up all the gear you actually need and, and recognize when you're missing something, which I I think would be really helpful. And these little exercises, you could do that as well. Like maybe you'll recognize that you don't have a hatchet and you need that to make a fire. And you never thought about that before. You just thought, oh, I just need to get some twine together and I just need to have this uh, flint and steel or uh, whatever non-matched tool you have and uh you'd be good to go but then you try it out and you're like oh i don't have a hatchet that's going to be a real problem (laughs) sure i mean even even along maybe you don't want a hatchet maybe you get out there and Mm -hmm. you realize that's just an extra couple pounds of weight that you like i just lugged this around for three days and i didn't (laughs) use it once my knife was more than enough or you know and i feel like that's the the checklists are great, right? But the problem yeah. <laughs> with the checklist is, is you're somebody else doing it. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and that's kind of why I like the four seasons thing as well. Is uh, we we have the idea that we go camping when it's nice out, and we go camping yeah, when yeah. it's comfortable, right? <laughs> well, right. Throw it out there. See see what it feels like when it's cold. See what it feels like when it's scorching hot. See what it feels like when it starts to rain in the middle of the night. You know. So I think all in all, I feel like I want to. I want to motivate myself to do more of that just as like, uh, again, preemptive training, like going for yeah. a run to stay healthy or, you know, how long does it take? And who knows if it comes in handy and you don't have it, 
or if you're in a situation and you need it and don't have it, it's kind of hard to learn it on the spot. Yeah. I also, I also feel like it makes you feel more comfortable in the world too, though. I think it's probably just hmm. going one level deeper of confidence, knowing that, oh man, if my car breaks down, I don't even know. That's too extreme of an example, but oh man, if something really bad happens, oh good, no problem. I just, I know how to do this. I feel very comfortable in this scenario. And I'm trying to think too in the unknown, it's not even yeah, in a specific the, scenario. It's just being mm-hmm. confident or comfortable in an unknown scenario, in any yeah. generic unknown scenario. The chances of yeah. you being less anxious go up. The more I don't know, it's it seems to be. Uh, I kind of view martial arts in the same aspect. You carry mm-hmm. yourself in a different way. Yeah. Uh, knowing that you had the ability to be potentially lethal with your hands. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Same thing with skilled hands when it when push comes to shove would be a valuable thing. Yeah, and, and also you know a lot of indirect skills when you know those kinds of things. Like if you're out there making fire, like you know how to observe nature to find correctly sized twigs or whatever. But that'll that'll lend its hand when it comes to situational awareness. You'll be thinking about, oh man, maybe I can't leave my food out on a table because bears will get it over the night. That that lends itself to like, what is going to happen overnight that I'm not thinking about? Maybe I'll close my sunroof now instead of leaving it open when it rains because I'm thinking about, oh, I have to lock things down in the evening. I have to think about, will it rain? So now my wood pile outside for whatever reason is going to get wet. So I, I think it makes, I think it's, I think it helps you recognize your surroundings a little better. Yeah. It's very transferable between different aspects of our lives. You know, we, we can take something as like you said, situational awareness is huge. Um, Oh man. (laughs) And you can, you can transfer that between being in the woods to being on in a city to being in a library to being in the grocery store. Yeah. Like nothing is a better teacher than when you're walking in the woods looking down at your feet because you're worried about, you know, tripping and falling and you get hit in the face with a stick. And now, now you remember like, okay, look down, but also up. And that'll help you out in New York City when you're, you know, I, I don't know what scenario you'd be looking down maybe to avoid like human feces on the street. But if you're, uh, <laughs> you know, not going to get running into any, you're not going to run into a sign. I, I don't know. It, it's a very tiny example, but there's all sorts of things like that that I think will be helpful. Like when you're packing to go to the library, let's say you're in college. And if you go camping often and you forget one item when you're camping, oftentimes it's, it's like a very important item and it makes the whole trip terrible. So maybe you'll think more deeply about, well, what do I need to pack when I go to the library? And you'll forget things less and you'll be more thoughtful of what am I carrying with me, which I think that's super useful. I would even go one step further and you'd already have your important stuff packed. <laughs> That's, yeah. So I, one would, thing, go ahead. You would be more likely to maybe have a duplicate set of what you would deem as a critical item already in your yeah. backpack that you're not taking it out of your backpack when you study it that, you know, say at home you study, you have a separate set of it. If you go to the library, you know, your backpack has that same setup ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I've thought a lot about is can you set up a bunch of different backpacks that will just like in my brain, I had one backpack that was just for camping. And so all it has is the camping gear in it. And then you tweak things here and there every season you go or whatever. And, uh, but you always know in a rush or on a pinch, you always have this backpack that can pretty much get you by in any scenario. It's like the bug out bag idea, but I like the camping one more because you're using it every every three months or so. So I'd like to get into that habit, which I'll try to do. Yeah, so I actually, I have three. There you go. So <laughs> I have- Not surprised. <laughs> I have one for work okay. that I take with me every day for work. Just pretty mm-hmm. much, it's got a first aid kit. It's got a toothbrush and toothpaste if I end up staying over, you know, spare change of clothes, work clothes, and then socks and underwear, undershirt. It's got, Stuff for work, a little bit of stuff for work mm-hmm. in it, but just like a notepad. Um, recently, I added uh, hand sanitizer, a couple extra masks mm-hmm. in there, um, basic pain medicine, 
Uh, mm. Just like some odd stuff that I use every day. Sunscreen's one thing I throw in there. Uh, mm. I wear contacts at work, so I throw uh, my and a spare set of glasses in case something happens to my contacts. Can take my contacts out and just put my glasses on. Uh, mm. Just some very basic uh, general stuff and few few strange tools that I might need. You know, I keep a screwdriver in there. Maybe I run into a situation where that's the only screwdriver I have, but who doesn't hurt? And then I have one yeah. for when I teach. So that does that has all my different kinds of books or you know notes that I have, documents I've printed. Um, I have a th two thumb drives in there. I have copies of all of my papers. Uh, but I, I never, nothing that I have transfers from backpack to backpack. Mm. You just so, buy a new thing, right? Yes. Even if it's I've, duplicate? I've just yeah, tripled yeah. everything I have. So then if I ever have anything, so then my last one is the kind of like my, uh, my weekend backpack, I'll call it. So like if I go away for the weekend and I go say up to the mountains or even if I go over to, let's say if I visit, uh, a couple weekends ago, I went over to Donna's parents' house. Uh, I'll grab that backpack and throw it in the car with me. And I know it's got a phone charger in there. I know it's got a, a old set of headphones in there. Um, just some basic kind of, like, make sure it has pens. I keep, like, mm. $2.50 of spare change in there in each of the backpacks. Like, just some basic stuff that I feel like could get me by day to day out of a bind because honestly a lot of the situations we fall into i don't think would be a you know we're stranded for three days it might just be right. the difference between a comfortable few hours while your tire's flat or are you sitting there on the side of the road waiting for somebody to come help you yeah and so it's just like a few things i i constantly update them but those like that scenario that you just described i i personally use on a daily basis there you go that's it's uh I like the duplicative items idea because then you're never stressed about, well, did I leave it in that bag or this bag or whatever? It's just, you have an extra and you're set. It, it's minimizing the amount of mental strain you have to put in yourself exactly. to make sure you're prepared. Yep. It's, you're already prepared. You don't have to even think about it. It's, you're set. And you know, you can grab that and go that, you know, yeah. you keep a somewhat of a mental checklist, uh, of what you want in there, what you should have in mm -hmm. there, and then what you actually have in there. Hopefully, it's pretty pretty closely <laughs> accurate to that. But that's right. that's kind of why I like the duplicative mindset of if I have three pens and I put one pen in each backpack, I don't need to go <laughs> through and find the three pens that's in one backpack when I'm trying to right. leave. You know, it's just already there, already done. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's extremely useful. And so when I was doing all my research for this, which was not a lot of research, but I had gone back to all the stuff I'd learned in Boy Scouts about the 10 essentials and also just checklists and being mindful of what you have on you at the time that you're, you're going. Um, and then the other factor is weight. That's the, that's the thing you're always fighting against. Um, obviously you, well, it, it's, it's a complicated game of probability, but you probably don't want to be taking rain gear with you if you're hiking in the Sahara Desert kind of idea because that weight will really drag you down. So I think when you go out quarterly, you also get a sense for the kind of weight you can take on and you can handle. One thing I'm thinking about is that those army handbooks are probably assuming whoever you are, you can carry at least 50 pounds of gear with you for days and days and days. And I don't think most people can do that. So you should probably go out and camp and see what you really can carry and uh you can make decisions about what you want to have with you based on that i know 30 pounds is a lot for a lot of people so it's yeah I you think, know you gotta be thoughtful i think through everything um first of all you're 100 right i mean the armies there's a set standard that going into yeah. any situation you know that the physical capabilities of any person that this document would be written for would be uh, on the higher levels of an average citizen, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think, again, going through and kind of looking up this stuff, the couple hours that I did, um, it's just another re uh, or another affirmation that we should be exercising, right? Yeah. 
it seems like kind of like a, a thing that gets constantly beat into everybody's head of exercising is good for you. You should exercise. Exercising is good for you. Being able to walk long distances or run or pick up somewhat heavy weights. You don't have to squat 600 pounds, but if you can pick up 100 pounds, maybe that's a difference of getting the log out of your way on a snowy night trying to get home. Maybe it's it's just some basic lifting weights, being flexible, uh, knowing knowing your own body too. I feel like exercise gives you that inside ability to know, is it is it an injury or is it pain? Is it yeah. muscle pain? Yeah. Is it a pulled disc? Like, you know, when, when you, uh, personally, if I run for long distances, multiple days in a row, I know my shins start to hurt. Mm-hmm. Nothing crazy, but I know that feeling. Right. If, if you're not familiar with that, maybe after you do 30 miles in three days, you might not know what that feeling is. You might yeah. think that there's something really wrong. And I think that's the other aspect of exercise of on top of carrying a heavier pack, on top of, you know, uh, being able to cover longer distances is you know your body better. You know what, what yeah. is a pain, what is an uncomfortable thing and what is an injury when do you need to stop when do you need to hole up when do you need to put yourself out of commission for a couple of days to maybe try to get better yeah i i don't know who said it i thought it was is so terrible to bring up like a sun Tzu quote but i'm pretty sure you said something about cardio being uh one of the most useful things you can have something uh, some i'm butchering it. i don't know the actual quote or the person who said it but the idea is just that cardio is this thing that links all our skills together because it's not just your ability to move, but also your ability to recover and get the uh, oxygen into your blood so that way your muscles can recover. And I've always thought about that as really interesting because I run a lot and so do you. And being able to recover or not lose breath when you walk up a hill is amazing. Yeah. So. And, you know, um, one of the funny things I like uh, that Joe Rogan says is he first realized when he started hunting how much cardio helps that when you mm. hike up a steep mountain and you get to the top of that mountain and you have to draw your bow and shoot your bow you can't be a, a huffing puffing shaking mess <laughs> right and that that's pretty much what you were saying is the ability for your body to go from hearts beating hearts beating you're bringing in oxygen yeah. to now I need to slow my heart rate. I need to I need to slow my body down in a quick amount of time. Cardio gives you that ability where if you don't have control of your body as much, you're going to be at the mercy of how your body reacts to intense exercise. Yeah, you get into a car accident and the first 10 seconds of that accident are just Absolutely. extreme adrenaline. Being able to breathe in, breathe out, and kind of control your heartbeat are going to be crucial in that moment. Assess yourself. Yeah, exactly. So that's, I think running would probably be the thing that I would put at the top of the exercise list when it comes to survival for that reason. And honestly, um, that's the only thing we're better than animals at. Not speed, but over time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People are good at running long time. So why not try to be good at something that we don't have very many benefits over animals besides our brains so it's yeah. either running or our brains so <laughs> i feel like yeah, we flex well. the brain muscle enough as it is <laughs> yeah let's flex the leg muscles them. a little <laughs> and honestly it's I the like heart that. and the lungs yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that should be a bumper sticker we flex the brain muscles enough, enough as it flex is the... <laughs> let's flex the leg muscles i like that <laughs> yeah yeah that's great we should uh yeah I, there's a lot of I don't know. I, uh, there's a lot of little things like that that probably aren't super hard to do. Like just push-ups, for instance, if you do push-ups every day, like just 10 or 15 push-ups a day, you're probably setting yourself up to be better than 90% of human beings at moving certain weights in certain ways or absolutely just body having upper spots. body strength. There you go. There you go. But yeah, so I, I think that's uh, exercise, you know, again, we, we get it beat into our heads enough as it is that it's healthy, but just so many other good reasons for it. So I also, I've been thinking a lot about how I've compared my standard of living right now to being in a tent for a week and everything feels better than being in a tent for a week. So I have no 
I'm never disappointed in a new living situation. Huh. Everything is always better than having some water in your sleeping bag where your feet are wet and you wake up and your feet are wet. And so in a, in a little bit of a way, you can always put yourself back in that situation and say, oh man, at least I went to bed warm tonight. Like that, I mean, you, you've gone through this a lot, I'm sure. You don't always go to bed warm and that sucks. And you just try to put yourself to sleep because you know you're probably going to wake up warm because you've had your body heat over the night to kind of bring you up to a good level. But you'll fall asleep with your teeth chattering and uh, just is what it is. Um, not having a sleeping pad is probably the most painful thing that you can do to your back. But if you do it a couple times, then you realize, yeah, you, you can sleep like that. And you'll appreciate sleeping on a carpet. And when your buddy doesn't have an air mattress or a mattress for you, no factor. You just, you're on a carpet that's better than the rocks and the dirt. <laughs> no, absolutely. I really like that when, when you said uh, having experience sleeping in a tent for a week, um, <laughs> regardless of what the bed feels like, going to sleep warm and dry. Oh, man. <laughs> is, you know, we take that for granted a lot. Um, yeah. But warmth and dryness are incredible feelings when you have experienced cold, wet, sleepless nights. And and also, you those kinds of nights, but you know they're not stopping. Like, and, okay, so when you get your socks wet for the first, I don't know, hour of an eight-hour hike, you know it's not getting better unless you brought a change of socks. So you can mentally gear up for the fact this is just going to be painful. Um, it really makes you appreciate the fact you can change your socks in your own house when your feet are cold. Or uh, it, it makes you think about maybe bringing extra socks with you in your car. Exactly. Maybe. Uh, it's a unique experience I don't think many people have. So definitely go camp. Uh, experience and, and things. That. Yeah, even if they suck. Yep. It makes everything even, else way better. Even more so if they suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But. All right, so I just cool. wanted to do something real quick. Um, I took, mm-hmm. I once I started diving down my rabbit hole of of what survival is, I kind of got off track of what we ended up having a good conversation about, which I'm glad. Um, I have this document I made. It's called Similarities of Survival, mm-hmm. and on it I have different different categories. So the one is surviving college, surviving a new job, surviving in the woods, ah. surviving ah. in New York. Okay, and I took excerpts nice. from each of the articles that I read, and I pasted mm-hmm. them onto this document. Uh, it's on the Google mm-hmm. Drive if you want to look at it. But I'm yeah, just going to yeah. read them off to you for right now and see. It's kind of crazy. So the first one I have here is surviving college, right? And I highlighted the, the, the phrases that are applicable across all of survival. Okay, mm-hmm. so this, I haven't changed any of the wording. This is all just straight out of the articles that I read it from. So... Surviving college, right? This is the highlighted portion of this is avoid the initial anxiety and fear by following that old scout's motto. Be prepared. That's applicable to surviving in the woods. That's applicable to surviving at a new job, right? Yeah. You know, so the next one, the next highlighted portion I have here is planning to make an impact is good for another reason too. You see fear loves a vacuum. Like when you're feeling unfocused, confused, and generally clueless about what to do. Just another, that's surviving for a new job right? And you can honestly take that information and apply that to surviving in the woods without any, uh, you know, real push, you know, trying to stretch something. So mm-hmm. going down through here, you know, um, the, the one under surviving a new job with moreover, when you set unreasonable expectations for yourself, it doesn't just stay put in your head where it belongs. Commitments, you know, this is, this gets into where it's a little bit harder to form, but uh, it's actually a form of grandiosity that means it yeah. will likely leak out the commitment to others commitments that you have no business making it's your ego's writing checks your capability can't cash and I feel like that goes back to the skills right that's skills in a new job but it's also skills in survival in the woods um, this one here the first thing you need to remember about any situation is that things are probably going to get uncomfortable this doesn't mean that you won't survive but it's important to prepare yourself that one yeah. came out of a surviving in the woods post, but I feel like a lot of these uh, are so applicable in many different things. Um, you know, in this bottom one is 
is one I found funny because I'm trying to I'm trying to make the jump between uh, different aspects of survival, right? I was just typing in surviving in New York, surviving in the woods, surviving in new jobs, surviving college, and these are mm. just some of the things. So the bottom ones uh, always carry a bottle of water, stay hydrated. This was somebody's tip for surviving in New yeah, York. That's awesome. Um, so just real quick, if, if you're dehydrated and you're having to make decisions or think about the future, it's the worst experience on the planet. So this is, this really resonates with me. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, like how much, what does it take to throw a bottle of water in a backpack or Nothing. your car? Yeah. Just extra, right? you know, just a little thing. Maybe yeah. again, sitting on the side of the road for a couple hours sure would be nice to have a bottle of water. If something happens. Yeah, sitting <laughs> sitting on the side of the road for a couple hours versus sitting on the side of the road for a couple hours while you're thirsty is a uh, world way of different scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so then I I go back. I, I typed up a little thing here that I, I kind of was formulating some of my uh, thoughts on. Um, have we changed our mindset of what survival means? Now that we're surviving in the workplace, in relationships, education, and the onslaught of information continuously blasted at us from social media and the news. Looking at the definition of survival, maybe it's not that different. Is there something less pure about surviving in the chaos that is today's society compared with being stranded in the woods? How is my mindset of what I believe survival should be affecting my view of what people are surviving every day? The more I look into the various aspects of survival in any kind of environment, the more similarities I find between how you need to conduct yourself the necessary preparation and the proper mindset as well as training and drive. And I feel like that kind of just wraps up everything we've been talking about that we, every, every situation that we put ourselves through and into every day, we should be preparing to survive and not only survive, but thrive. Yeah. And I don't think that would hurt. You know what I mean? Like we've talked about what's, what's one new skill a week that you go out and practice or what's a quarterly camping trip going to hurt, you know? Maybe it's definitely a confidence booster. Yeah, maybe you're not being as productive as you could be by taking a weekend to go camping, but maybe everything's not about the productivity that you have your mindset on. Maybe you're <laughs> going to learn something new about yourself. Yeah, you'll uh, learn to appreciate something else besides sitting in an office or going to driving to work so much. I know that's something that you, you do quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Sitting in the car on the way to the office. Favorite pastimes. In quotes. Yeah. No, this is good. This was a this was a, a good a good discussion. I think we've been going for about an hour, so we can probably wrap it up. Um, is there anything else that comes to mind or that you want to close out on? Um, no, not really. Uh, I think I pretty much know everything. That that thing I had typed out was pretty much the last thing. You know, kind of wrapping everything up, and um, maybe we're all surviving in our own ways all the time, and yeah. we just don't think about it that way. So the next time somebody cuts you off or runs into you at the grocery store with their cart maybe they're surviving something that you don't understand right now so a little yeah, compassion that's... goes a long way especially in the heightened uh society that we're living in right now with the election and covid and everything else we're all surviving something it's just a matter of learning to survive together yeah it's a very good point but nice. cool all right so i'm just gonna hit 